Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Episode 25 here on the podcast, and today we welcome senior Dakota Mathias to the podcast. And first of all, Dakota, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We are well. Good to be uh, with you this morning. Also want to uh, let our listeners know that um, Cliz is calling in from a much better climate than we're in right now, currently as we record this. And um in uh, Lafayette, it's uh, a lot of rain coming down outside. Pretty miserable. Uh, probably not the case where you're at down in Florida, huh, Cliz? Well, it's uh, surprisingly uh, since Sunday when we had six inches of rain on Sunday, and we're uh, I'm located about uh, 60 miles uh, southeast of uh, Orlando, and. Uh, we had six inches of rain on Sunday, and we have not seen the sun since until this morning. So we have what you have for the entire week. So I've been—I've never seen it uh, this poor down here. I mean, just rainy, rainy, rainy weather. So, I, but I guess uh, you guys got hit with it now. And as I look outside uh, at the moment, it's sunny and, and clear here at the moment, anyway. So. Well, good for you. Looks like we're going to be sitting in rain all day, but that's okay. We're in the we've started practice around here, and uh, we uh, we're in practice mode. So, first of all, uh, Dakota, let's talk about just uh, the start of practice. Um, does it feel like you're one of our four seniors? Um, does it feel like you? It, does it feel like it should already be your senior year? No, it really doesn't. I was I was thinking about that earlier. You know, when you first step on campus as a freshman, everybody says how quick it goes, how fast it is. So enjoy it. And obviously, we're a little naive. We're like we got four years, we got plenty of time. And you know, you wake up and you're a senior, and you're already four or five practices in. So um, no, it's been a, it's been a good ride so far, though. It seems like uh, just yesterday you guys got to campus, and I can remember uh, you guys moving in, moving you over in the carry quad that first June when you guys arrived, um, and. Uh, Jaquiel arrived with you guys as well, so it was actually a five-man group. Um, I remember you guys kind of moving in over there, and then at the time, um, our program was undergoing a pretty big transition. And, uh, you know, I think you guys came in and really, I don't want to say you've been spoiled, but you guys have, have earned the right to get to, you know, three straight tournaments, hopefully get to a fourth this year. Um, talk about those freshman days. Was that impressed upon you, the urgency to you know get it going again? Yeah, it was definitely impressed upon us. I think a lot of it started with Rayfeld Davis. I mean, um, you know, he went through a lot of heartache and stuff his first couple of years, and um, you know, you could tell. Uh, you know, I was talking to him. He was a leader and he was a winner, and that was a part of us. Our whole freshman class, we came from winning backgrounds. So you know, coming into this, I think uh, we finished last before we got here, or second to last. So um, we didn't want that to be the norm around here, and you know, Rayfeld was a big part of that, and we all knew we were going to be committed to winning. I know that uh, you talk about you guys all were winners at the high school level. I remember when you guys were getting recruited, and so listeners know I don't I don't do any recruiting off campus or anything. So I hear all these stories from the coaches when they come back seeing you guys play, and uh, somebody had saw uh, Vince in a I think it was a, a playoff game, high school playoff game, and they comment on the fact that his team hit a game winner, but he didn't hit it. 
but he facilitated the play to, to win the game. Um, a similar story came back from one of your games, and it might have just been a regular season game, where uh, you guys were not only just scoring at um, a great clip, because each of you had you know a lot of points in your high school careers, but also I think one of the reasons the staff liked you, and I know that Coach Painter liked you all, is your ability to do more things, your versatility, your ability to pass. Um, talk a little bit about how you guys have been able to play together, because when we when we're at our best, I think, is when we're moving the ball. Um, the ball moves around the floor a lot. Um, talk a little bit about how well you guys kind of interact with each other on the floor. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, you know, coming from high school to college. A lot of guys average, you know, 20, 25 points, and they think, you know, I'm going to do this in college. I'm going to be the man, and that's just not the case. Um, so, you know, in our DNA, you know, PJ, Vince, and I, um, even Isaac, you know, we're very unselfish. So we know how to pass the ball. We know how to play the game. So I think that goes a long way. A lot of guys, they're just thinking score. They're thinking about me. Um, so at this level, you know, to win, you got to be unselfish. You know how to play the game, and I think we enjoy that. How does you know, that? I think every. Go ahead, Larry. I would like just to throw in here. I think I think learning how to win is such a hard thing to do, regardless of how good a team is put together. And in this particular case, Dakota, you have two seasons where you end up in heartbreak. You have a single overtime loss in the tournament in a game that, you know, you should have won and came back the second year with a double overtime tournament loss. And I know that fueled the team, obviously, but to be able to overcome that and get to the point where you win a Big Ten championship on your home floor against Indiana and then proceed to make it to the Sweet 16, I realize that's all a growing process, but having that on your resume and having to deal with that in an off season, those 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 heartbreaks have, has to be a motivating factor. Yeah, definitely, no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, we heard all the noise, all the you know the fans and all the you know the haters talking. You know, we Purdue couldn't win the tournament; they have a decent regular season, but once they get there, they can't get it done. So, um, you know, especially our class, we heard all that, and that definitely fueled us moving forward. I want to talk about. Um, I was trying to sit here and think about that freshman year when you guys came in and what the schedule was like early on. And I'm, I just pulled it up here, and I'm, and I'm thinking about, I'll never forget the conversation that occurred between you and PJ and myself in Maui. And to set this up a little bit, we had won, uh, we won three games on the, before we went out to Maui, and it was against uh, some lackluster competition. So it was, it was really not... Uh, we really didn't know what we had yet. We go out to Maui and play Kansas State in that first game. And they blew our doors off in that first half. And we looked, at times, we looked like we couldn't get the ball over half court. And after the game was over, we all get back to the hotel. And Coach is bringing everybody in individually to watch some film and get some things corrected as we start preparing the next day to play Missouri. And I'll never forget, you and PJ were sitting there in a, in a couple chairs outside that that lobby and you guys look like I mean you look completely devastated and I remember sitting there saying and I went up to both of you and I said you know it's okay like this is no big deal like hey we just we panicked like we you know this is our first nationally televised game it's Maui it's all different competition went up a notch and we just didn't adjust, but we will. We'll be yeah, fine. No, you remember that? I remember that exact conversation <laughs> sitting there. Yeah, we were terrified. 
It was, but it was great. I mean, I think we were encouraged then because we bounced back and beat Missouri pretty handily, and then we get a big time win against a very good BYU team. Um, Hammonds hits the jump hook to win it. But talk about, just talk about those experiences. We come back then and beat North Carolina State, who was a good team as well in the ACC Challenge. And it seemed like, uh, even though we had some more roller coasters that year, it seemed like those kind of things start to give you guys confidence. Definitely, definitely. You know, that you know, opening up the way we did, you know, we were 3 0. We were feeling pretty good about ourselves, but that was our first <laughs> real taste of college basketball, you know, playing a, a, another, you know, Power Five school like that. So, um, you know, you expect to win every game. So to lose the way we did and, you know, how handily they took care of us, it was, it was a little devastating. But, you know, we bounced back and, you know, we actually had a pretty good year there. And, over Christmas break was a little tough for us. You know, I think we were eight and five maybe. Um, so it was it was a good learning experience. And I think, you know, part of those experiences our freshman year have, you know, definitely molded us and helped us grow into the players and team we are now. Eight and five. What and you, Go ahead, Larry. What do you do differently? What, what do you think comes easier for you now, being a senior and having all that experience, including the winning experience, but just the things on the floor like, when you prepare for a game, I'm sure I'm sure there's a you know a routine that you've gone through from the beginning. However, I'm sure there are some changes to it occasionally. Yeah, to yeah. How you get ready for get ready for a game, but what comes easier for you now than say in your first two years? Uh, I think you know personally, just being able to talk to the guys and help them out. You know, my first two years, you know, I was trying to figure it out myself. Um, I think I say that for you know PJ, Vince, Isaac. We we're trying to figure it out ourselves, but now. Uh, we've been through it all. We've been through scouting reports. You know what to look for um, when playing certain teams and you know where to be at to put yourself in the best position. So I think relaying that to some of the younger guys, um, helping them you know, know what to expect and how to handle different situations, um, it puts them ahead. Um, so I just think you know, being able to deal with that now um, just helps them. Was there ever doubt? Did you ever have doubt as a freshman that, like, boy, I'm way in over my head? Um, there, there were definitely times my freshman year I, was, I had a lot of doubt. And, you know, that, that was never me. Um, you know, playing basketball, I've always been very confident in myself, um, you know, very excited and happy to play the game. And, you know, there were times my freshman year I, I wasn't. I was a different person, and I didn't like that person. I was not confident. I wasn't really having fun. Um, you know, but I, I give a lot of credit to Ray Fell. Um, you know, he really talked me through it. You know, he knew uh, I could be a good player and could help this team. So, you know, I ended up, I think, starting the last, you know, uh, 10, 15 Big Ten games and, you know, helped the team get a couple wins. So um, I give him a lot of credit for that, though. Okay, but here, but here's here's something that everybody on the face of the earth wants to know: How did you become such a good defensive player? I was going to bring <laughs> that. I was going to bring that up a little bit later. Yeah, that's that's a that's a yeah. That's now you talk about a transformation. Um, that was definitely it was an eye opener for me because I didn't play much defense in high school. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. I think all everybody that played with me in high school would say the same thing. Um, no, but. My sophomore year, I was in and out of the lineup. I mean, I started a few games, and there'd be games where I'd play five or ten minutes. And, um, you know, the way I'm wired, I, I don't work like that. I'm not happy about that. So, um, you know, that definitely fueled me. And I knew, you know, coming here at Purdue, it's, it's a hard nose. You know, play hard, and you got to play defense if you want to play. Um, so I knew that going into my junior year. And, um, you know, I worked on, you know, getting in better shape, uh, working laterally on my movement. And, um, you know, a big thing Rafael taught me, too, was, you know, scouting report and, you know, watching guys' tendencies. So, um, I took a lot of time, spent a lot of time doing that, and, and it definitely paid off last year. You've referenced um, Rayfell a bunch um, so far, and, and obviously we've talked uh, in other 
times on this podcast about his influence on our program. And But one thing I wanted to ask you about, now that you're kind of in the role that he was in at one time, um, how hard is that? How hard is it to be a leader and how hard is it? Because at the end of the day, um, some guys it comes really easy to and some guys it's way out of their comfort zone. And you guys now, and especially in this program, because I think Coach really relies on the older guys to kind of pass the torch and also to ha- just get things handled. Um, how hard is that? And how hard is it for how hard is it for you? But also, um, how do you guys go about it as four seniors? Yeah, you know, I think I've said it before. I think all of the seniors. I think we're more comfortable in that leadership role. I mean, the way we're all, we're all built, um, we enjoy talking to other people and helping other people. So. But it's not easy. There's times where you have to, you know, deal with guys, you know, if they make mistakes or, you know, off the court issues where it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, nobody really wants confrontation, but there's times where you have to do that for the betterment of the team. So um, it's not easy at all the times, but, you know, I tell, you know, a lot of media this all the time. We can't, there's not one person that can, you know, become Rayfeld Davis, the leader he was. So I think collectively uh, we do a good job of communicating, you know, the leadership roles with, with each other um, and then extending it to the team. So uh, I think we've got a good thing going right now. Wanted to talk about uh, back to that freshman year, and I, I hate to bring this up, um, but the Garner Webb game before we go home for break, we lose that game, and uh, and you and yeah yeah, and uh, and you referenced the Christmas break. Um, expound on that a little bit. What went on when the team got back from Christmas break? We had lost the Garner Webb. We break for Christmas, which normally, um, so the fans know, is, is usually a three or four day break. Um, we normally come back either on Christmas night or usually on the 26th in the evening and have our first practice as we get ready. In this case, we were getting ready for the start of Big Ten play. Uh, we came Minnesota, back the night, yeah, came back the night of the 26th, and we had Minnesota and Michigan, two home games coming up. Uh, as you mentioned, the team was eight and five. Talk, go from there. Talk about what what went down on the return. Yeah, Christmas is usually a fun time, but you know when you're eight and five and losing to you know Gardner Webb, it's it's not a good you know three or four day break. So. Uh, coming back, practices were not very pleasant. You know, guys were struggling. The coaches were, you know, on our ass the entire time. But um, I think we responded well. Those those two or three practices were, you know, balls to the wall. So, but you know, we responded. We uh, we beat Minnesota, who was a it was a good team at that time. We beat Michigan. Uh, there was two huge home wins, and uh, that set us up in the Big Ten play. So, you know, it was unpleasant around Christmas time. But you know, that that shaped our season and got us into the tournament. I think. I specifically remember coming back to that practice, and normally the staff will sit around and come up with a practice plan. And uh, I just remember Coach saying, I asked, like, are we going to meet, come up with practice plans? He said, no, no, because we're not doing any of that. He goes, we don't – he said, we don't need to worry about anything offensively. He goes, this is all going to be about toughness and defense. And I walked down to the start of practice, and you guys are doing wall squats for <laughs> a good part of practice. It was not not a pleasant time around here. No, but it definitely uh, it definitely flipped the from that point on the season flipped. I definitely yeah, that was a huge turning point. I tell people that you know to this day, you know, guys, we talk about that all the time. It was definitely a turn, turning point, and you know, our goal you know was to you know finish probably top. I think we finished fourth in the Big Ten that year. Um, you know, and get to the tournament that was that was a huge thing for us at that time. And you look at some of the we we go on. We had a a big stretch in the middle of the season there. We we beat three top. 25 teams at home and one at Northwestern. So you guys, like you said, uh, finished fourth. And then, uh, you know, followed up a couple times, or freshman and sophomore year, 
Um, as Cliz mentioned, good teams got to the tournament, came up a little bit short. But what was what was the mentality going in the last season? Um, I know you guys, like we said, it had a little bit of success, but everybody wants to take that next step. So talk talk through kind of what you guys were thinking heading into last year. Yeah, I know definitely that was that was our thought process too, going to the next step. And you know, the four seniors now, we knew we were going to be the leaders of the team last year. Obviously, Biggie helped too. Um, but you know, all that heartbreak. Um, and we heard all everybody talk about it. You know, they can't get it done in the tournament. They can't get it done. They can't get that win. Um, you know, we heard that, and that fuels us. I think that just shows the competitive nature of us. I mean, a lot of guys would just say, okay, whatever. But that really fueled us. You know, we, we thought about that every day, every practice. Um, and that really helped us take the next step and, you know, finish uh, first in the Big Ten and get to the Sweet 16. Obviously, hey, look cool. at this, though. Well, pardon me, Drew. But look at this for just a moment, though. And, and, and that's going into this season. And we'll talk at length certainly about the experience of starting so early but the thing that uh, kind of amazes me is we've been a top 25 team uh, for the whole time the last two years so certainly you know we've gotten the national press however we're returning four seniors including a, a dominant center and three other guys that have logged a lot of minutes scored a lot of points in defending Big Ten champions, and yet you almost get the impression that because Caleb isn't coming back, and look, there's no question losing him is a huge loss. The guy was a first-team All-American. But with as much as you do have coming back, I'm a little bit surprised at how dis- uh, dismissive a lot of people have been about your team. Does it concern you at all? No, no, I think... I think get we, that kind of rub? Right, no, I think we thrive in that situation. I think, you know... The, the whole time we've been here, we've been like that. We've been, you know, overlooked by people. And um, for whatever reason, they just don't think, you know, we have what it takes to compete with the big guy. I don't know if it's because, you know, we don't have these big-time athletes hanging on the rims and doing things. But, you know, the way we play, um, we can compete and beat and play with anybody. So um, I'm not sure why uh, we are so overlooked like we have been. But, you know, that definitely fuels us. And that's, you know, that's the blue-collar nature of Purdue. Um, you don't have to have all this attention and hype, but you're going to get it done when it comes down to it. I saw uh, our SID Chris Foreman did some good research on, uh, he found an article um, that stated about all the teams that went to the Sweet 16 last year and all all the components they have coming back. And when you look at our roster, our percentage of minutes on our roster, our three-point shooting, our, I think it was some other offensive category, um, it was amazing how we were uh, at the at the top or near the top of just about every one of those top Sweet 16 teams coming back this year. Now, certainly other programs have reloaded with you know incoming freshmen, um, but as Larry mentioned, you know we only lost Caleb that played significant minutes. Spike played um, minutes here and there, but there were certain games when Spike didn't play. Um, but then we as well, we also add some pieces to the puzzle too. So talk a little bit about. Um, those young guys and how you think they're going to impact things yeah yeah well first off I don't think you know experience can't be replicated you know when you have those minutes and those you know big time minutes and clutch games and clutch situations um, that goes a long way um, but these young guys um, they remind us you know me and PJ talk about this at length they remind us of you know us when we first came in you know they're a tight-knit group they're smart they know how to play the game so um, you know we're excited for what they can do this year they've already got you know a little of a preseason under their belt with what we did this summer so um, we're excited to see where they go. You talked about the summer. Uh, it's been as it's been as a long of a two year stretch, uh, and I've been around the program now sixteen years. Larry's been uh, a lot longer than that. 
Um, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can't recall a two-year stretch. I mean, I was just talking to somebody yesterday down in Indianapolis who said, uh, I was explaining the World University Games trip, and he said, I thought you guys went to Spain. I said, no, it was the last summer. And when you think about what will be eventually a 24-month period of the travel we've had, even starting back last year to Cancun, going to New York City, Washington, D.C., the tournament stops we had, Spain, uh, all the regular season trips going to the Bahamas this year, the World University Games, does it amaze you the last two years, but also then looking back on your whole career, like the Maui trip, in a four-year stretch, all the places that Purdue basketball is taking? Uh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I come from a small town in Ohio, so, you know, seeing going to Taipei and Spain, like I never would have dreamed about that, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a great place to be at Purdue, and they take care of you. Is it out of your comfort zone, that kind of travel, or have you grown, like, to – to enjoy it and, and look forward to it. I've definitely grown to enjoy it and, you know, get the experiences of different cultures and, you know, how, how people do different things. So it's, it's been fun. We were, uh, before we uh, started taping this, Larry made reference to your nickname, the cowboy, the Midwestern <laughs> cowboy to be exact. And uh, you two, Larry's uh, Ohio native, and obviously you're from Elida, Ohio. Um, the nickname, as far as I know, Rick Pizzo gave you Rick, that Rick Pizzo, from, from yeah. the Big Ten Network. So <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about that and uh, when you first heard it and then how often you hear it now. Yeah, um, I think it was like middle of Big Ten play my sophomore year. I think it might have been early Big Ten play. After the Wisconsin game, I, hit, I think I hit a big shot towards the end. And I was watching the highlights, and he just calls me the Midwestern Cowboy. And, you know, I get you know, a whole bunch of messages like, why did he just call you? I'm not real sure. I mean, we, we've talked about it, but, um, you know, it's a pretty cool nickname. And now everybody calls me. I'll see people on campus. They'll just yell out Cowboy. I mean, it, it's a funny nickname, but, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I just, I just uh, two things. One, I'm incredibly jealous that I didn't come up with it. However... <laughs> However, I, I have to admit to you, being a being a native Buckeye, that uh, I had no comprehension of what a Midwestern cowboy <laughs> is or what. <laughs> so, so that never came to mind. So, goodness uh, that Rick could figure that out. Uh, but the other thing is, I can't leave it alone either, though, as you know, uh, Dakota, because uh, not only do you have one of the coolest uh, first names in all of college basketball, but you, but now that uh, that Midwestern cowboy moniker is great to just hammer you every day. You see, you. I mean, yeah, everybody make, everybody make seems it, to like makes that it too. fun to just see your just to see how you react. <laughs> there he is, the Midwestern cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and and let me tell you the, to the people listening that when Larry comes to practices or when we get on a bus to go on a on a road game or a plane. Um, Larry's he, he's everything you think he would be he's the smart Alex sitting at the front of the bus or the front of the plane that's got something to say to everybody that walks by every single person <laughs> that walks by <laughs> and there he is the Midwestern cowboy <laughs> and he might have his headset on and he may not even have seen me but I've still said it <laughs> well every and time. as we've often said as long as you and I think it's funny we're really not concerned about anybody else. Yeah, we don't care whether Dakota cares or not, do we? No, as long so as we get just a little... for you to know that. Just yeah. for you to know yeah, that. Thanks. <laughs> it's for our our entertainment only. Uh, so Dakota, talk a bit about um, four years. Obviously, um, not only the changes in um, basketball in our program, but talk a little bit about the changes 
at Purdue. There's been, I mean, I can't tell you, even the alums who come back, whether they're basketball alums or not, the people that I have just known on campus that get back to campus for the first time in maybe two, three, four, eight years, are always amazed at how campus has changed, how the athletic buildings have changed. Obviously, we're under new leadership with the new athletic director, Mike Bobinski. Um, but just talk about the changes that have gone on at Purdue since you've been here. Yeah, you know, even you know, recently the football, the new uh, renovations they made, their new, um, their new locker room and weight room. It's you know, it's top of the line, and you know they deserve that with you know the new leadership they got as well. But you know, Mackey's changed. We got a new new scoreboard in there. It's 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 big time. Um, you know, all the facilities and you know, the thing is, all the people around here support that. That's the biggest thing I've learned there. Their support is overwhelming. You know, they love athletes. They love Purdue. And, uh, you know, they'll do anything they can to improve it and uh, make sure it's running smoothly. Do you get – does that make you uncomfortable being a – I mean, for lack of a better term, a celebrity? As you, you know, you walk around campus, you you know, you mentioned, you know, a fellow student may call you a cowboy or whatever. <laughs> but there's got to be times when you've gone to class or something after a big win um, and you get the recognition. Um, is that something that you're comfortable with? Um, you know, at first I really wasn't, it was a little uncomfortable, especially, you know, early on, but you know, now it's, it's a cool thing. You realize you appreciate it more, you know, as you get older, um, you know, just the support you have and, you know, you've earned that right. You know, the way we play, how we play hard. And that's the biggest thing. The people around here, when you play hard, they respect that, um, you know, and that's all they want to see. So, um, to have that recognition and people, you know, understand you you deserve this, you put in the hard work is, it's a pretty cool thing. There was a cool story when we were in Taipei. We were walking out of a, uh, I forget which arena we were going into, but there were some fans against the glass on the other side of this glass partition. And one guy made his way to the front of the glass and he was pressing up against it and he opened this notebook up and he had a picture of you in there with your name and everything written out. And it was really cool. And you could tell he was a diehard Purdue guy. He had a Purdue shirt on. Um, Is that... I mean, to me, it was mind-blowing. Like, we're halfway around the world, and there's Boilermakers there. That's, that's such a surreal thing. I mean, we're, like you said, we're halfway around the world. You don't expect anybody to know you're here, but, you know, there's guys, he's all decked out in Purdue. He has your picture. That's just something you wouldn't think of. But, you know, that's what you know, the Purdue establishment, Purdue University, it's worldwide, and there's support everywhere. The World University Games, it's, uh, talk us through that. Um, I know we've talked on this uh, podcast before with Coach Painter about it. Uh, we've detailed some of the ins and outs of it, but give us a perspective from a player. Um, just the whole experience, uh, the practices all summer. Um, you know, the busiest summer we've had since you've been here. Yeah, you know, it, it was a fun summer. I think overall, um, it was it was great, um, great experience for everybody. Obviously, we came up a little short. We didn't want to, you know, we wanted to come up with the gold, but um, to have those practices um, where you're going, you know, full go, you know, at least three or four times a week. Um, that just puts the freshmen ahead of the curve. I mean, you know, right now where we're at, we'd be, you know, three weeks behind normally, but, you know, we're ahead. Um, you know, but playing those games like we did, we're playing against a different style of game. Um, we're playing against grown men. They're, you know, they're 25, 26 years yeah. old. They know how to play. Uh, they're tough and physical. You know, I think we've seen it in the, the championship game. We got beat up a little bit, especially on the glass. Um, so it's another learning experience. That's what, that's what it's all about, um, especially for the younger guys now. Um, they can put that under their belt. They've been there. They played against these tough physical guys. So you know, when we go to Michigan State or Michigan, um, we're battling these guys. It's we've been there before. So it's, it was just a great experience through and through. Explain this to us. So, um, uh, and I mean, I think this would be anybody's concern. I mean, you started so early, 
and, and just what Elliot just mentioned, I mean, when you put the last few years together, just the last 24 months together, I mean, you guys have been traveled to death and, and, and played so many games. Now, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that say that uh, there's no problem playing games. It's all the practices that, you know, wear you out. Uh, right. Everybody's excited about, about playing games. But, you know, the, the, the thought is, and we talked to Coach Painter about this, but, and I know he is, is really interested in making sure this works out. But as a player, you realize you've done all this practice and all these games before the season even starts. Now we have, you know, another 35 games to go. And this, of course, will be your swan song. Is there any concern at all that, you know, by the time February comes around, that, golly, man, this is getting hard. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I mean, not not really, you know, from our standpoint, because I think, you know, Coach Payne and the staff, they do a great job, you know, saving our legs. They know when to push us and when to pull back. Um, you know, even our conditioning these last few weeks, it, it's not what it normally is. I mean, it was just, you know, maintaining maintaining our strength and maintaining our body. So, um, you know, a lot of coaches, they might kill you and crush you right now, but our coaches understand, you know, how much um, how much we put on our legs and, you know, how much running we've done and things like that. So they're very aware of that. Um, you know, for, for me personally, it's, it's my senior year. I, there's no time to, you know, be tired or wore out. I mean, this is, this is the final hurrah. Um, so I, we're more excited than anything. I think when it comes time, February, March, I think we're going to be even more rejuvenated, um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's the final, you know, final leg. So, um, you got to keep pushing through it. Talk a little bit about, uh, you, you mentioned kind of coach and his pulse on where you guys are at and that kind of thing. Just talk a little bit about your relationship with Coach Painter. And, um, you know, obviously he came to see you in high school. Uh, I remember when he came in, on a recruiting trip and he went to your house and he saw your, you had a half court in your, in your home. And I want you to talk about that too. Um, he was impressed by that. Um, but talk about, talk about the recruiting process. And then I got a story about that gym that you had. I want to, I want to say something about that, but go ahead and talk about your first kind of interactions with coach during recruiting. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, towards, it was my sophomore, after my sophomore year of high school, that summer I played pretty well. Um, I didn't really have, I had a lot of mid majors. There wasn't really any high majors yet. Um, then to start my junior year, I had 43 straight games to start the season. So then, you know, everybody started calling and coming and, um, Towards the end of my junior year, he came to I think two or three different games, and I played well. And you know, just talking to him on the phone, it was like it was like talking to my dad or you know just a close friend. I mean, he's he's down to earth guy. Um, we we could just talk hoops for you know forever. So um, we've had a good relationship even now. Um, you know, we bounce ideas off each other. You know, he um, he values my opinion. So um, a lot of coaches are a little closed off. They don't want to take uh, you know um, you know pointers from you know maybe a player, but you know he's very open to that and. Uh, he's just a great guy to play for. I remember you were a freshman. You walked in the office one time, and we were in the uh, conference room. And he he said, "Hey, what? Come in here. Let's let's put in one of your plays you ran in high school." And then he said, "Now you know we're not going to run this for you. We're going to run it for somebody yeah. else." <laughs> yeah, no, that was a play he probably saw us run you know fifteen twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> the the story I wanted to talk about was I remember. He said he gave you some advice on some things you need to work on, in his opinion, um, based on him having seen you play at the high school level. And he said then when he made an in-home visit, he said you had a little dry erase board, I believe, in yep. your in your court uh, at your house. And he said, I walked out there and looked at that dry erase board, and there were verbatim the things that I told him I thought he needed to do improve on. 
to kind of make it, you know, at the next level. And I got to tell you, that sold him. I mean, he came back and was speaking so highly of you and the fact that you took those words to heart. I mean, coaches, I think, give advice all the time. Um, how often a player accepts that advice is a different story. But he was very impressed with the fact that you took it to heart and then went into that court attached to your house and decided to work on it. Well, I mean, he, he's controlling my minutes and how much I play, so why would you not take his advice and what he's telling you to work on? That's that's my philosophy on it. And I mean, um, you know, even last year, uh, before my junior year, we had a sit-down meeting and he did the same thing, you know, things I need to keep improving on. And, you know, I took that to heart and went out and worked on it, and, you know, it paid off. You know, he, he's been around. I mean, he's been around a lot of players. He's coached a lot of years. So um, when he tells you what to work on, he sees something, and, you know, he thinks you can improve in this area. And it obviously worked out for me, and I think a lot of guys could say the same thing. So... Um, I definitely take his opinion to heart and you know what he tells me to do I'm gonna go out and do it when he was recruiting you did you grow up an Ohio State fan I did I did I was a big Ohio State fan especially a big Ohio State football fan but you know I followed the basketball team as well um, Aaron Kraft obviously he was a good player for them he uh, he grew up about 25 30 minutes from my house so um, he was cool to watch yeah he was pretty good that guy was pretty good he was I grew guy. up in Ohio State. I, I grew up in Ohio State fan too, and I tell you when it ended. We were at uh, my first year in Lafayette, and I, I know this will stun a few people, but it was in 1977. We went over to uh, play Ohio State, and Woody ago. Hayes was still their coach. Uh, uh, Woody Hayes was still their coach, and I think it was. I think they kicked the field goal to make it like 38 nothing <laughs> at the half, and uh, Pete Quinn will remember that game because he was a freshman starter, but they. Um, having said that, that when that ball went through the goalpost and it was thirty-eight nothing, that's when I ended my love affair with the Buckeyes. My my dad was an Ohio State grad, so yeah, that that was hard. But uh, it, it, now uh, <laughs> now it's uh, it's not hard to root against them at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing when, and I think we've talked about that with Vince a little bit, and he's had some friends that have gone on Ohio State. I'm sure you've had people that you grew up with that. Um, have gone on to Ohio State. Um, it's amazing when you're when it, it's been that ingrained in you so long how that can switch so quickly. Right, right. And you know, gr- growing up, like I wanted to play for them. I wanted to be an Ohio State Buckeye basketball player. So um, as the recruiting process came about, you know, I was kind of waiting on them, waiting on them, and there was zero interest. So you know, at that point, you just flip and say, I'm going to take it to them every time we play them now. So uh, that's, that's another motivating factor. Well, we don't uh, we don't go back to Ohio this year. I don't think we do this year. Uh, so the the Buckeyes will come in uh, into Mackey. How uh, how closely do you guys look at the schedule when it comes out? Oh uh, yeah, we look at it pretty close. Um, you know, it's it's important I think to get off to a good start. You know, especially this year. And you know, uh, it was a little different this year. We looked at you know the last game. Who's our senior night going to be? And obviously this year I think it's it's Minnesota, right? Yeah. So um, you know, that's going to be it's going to be a big time game and a fun atmosphere. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and Larry mentioned kind of some of the preseason uh, prognostications in our league. Um, the official polls are not out yet, but uh, some of the media polls are out. Um, people have us kind of as a top 20, 20 to 25 team. Uh, some polls not in the top 25. Uh, Big Ten wise, I think I've seen a lot of them have put us in the top four with Michigan State being a heavy favorite. But as you said, uh, kind of fuels you a little bit. Um, but I know the first thing I do when that those things come out is I kind of look and see, okay, those other teams we're playing, where are we playing them, when are we playing them, 
Um, I look at our non-conference and see, obviously, we have a lot of big-time games coming up there. Um, talk through talk through what you guys say in the locker room in terms of all that stuff. And I know you hinted on it a little bit about how it fuels you a little bit, but expand on that a little more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, we kind of do the same thing. You know, who's projected ahead of us? Um, where do we play them at home or away? When do we play them? You know, is it early on? Is it late? Um, you know, how many games do we have before and after that? But you know, I think, you know, the standings, you know, a lot of people say, you know, don't pay attention to rankings or standings. You know, I think we're, we're kind of the opposite. You know, look at that. Who, who's saying this? They're saying we're not good enough to beat, you know, Michigan State or do this and that. Um, so I think any – that's a, just a competitive advantage. When you have more fuel like that and, you know, people picking against you, um, I think, you know, having that edge, it can take you a long way. Well, I think the key, and I, and I think you'd agree, in fact, both of you will agree, when you're a good team like we were last year, <clears throat> win the championship, which was great to see. You go back over the games, and then you you know you just go to Maryland, you go to Northwestern, you go to Indiana. It, you win championships in this league by winning close games, and ideally winning close games on the road. I mean that's yeah. that's the key to the whole thing. Do you prefer home or road games? I prefer road games. I. I don't know. Personally, I just like, you know, the hatred of, you know, the fans, especially when you run out of the locker room, everybody's booing, you know, in warm-ups, they're yelling stuff that can't be repeated. So um, I personally like that, and I think that's fun. I don't know if I don't know if fans have a um, an understanding or an appreciation for what gets said to the opposing teams on the road. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think our fans are pretty respectful people, but there's a lot of schools in the Big Ten that uh, – that stuff just can't be repeated. <laughs> like if you wore a GoPro on your head, one of those cameras, and had audio attached to it, and you walked out of the tunnel ramp, you know, whatever. Uh, Michigan State. Michigan yeah. State, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland, Indiana, all those places. And then you you put that up on YouTube. I think people would be absolutely amazed. They'd be shocked. They'd be absolutely shocked. I mean, I was shocked. You know, my freshman year, I'm coming out and, you know, high school is very different. So running out to you know three thousand, four thousand fans right on top of you, yeah. yelling stuff that you're not supposed to say in public. So um, it's it's a different world. Do you remember the first? What about this? Uh, let me ask one other thing. As we're talking about that, how much uh, how much uh, talk goes on between the players in our league versus oh. other games that you play? Out of league. Yeah, it depends. I mean, within the league, there's a little more, definitely. I mean, you're more familiar with each other. You've played AAU against these guys. You've been recruited by the same schools, probably. So there's definitely a little more familiarity uh, with each other in the Big Ten than there is, you know, non-conference. Are there guys still in the league that you played against high school, AAU? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Who, who's, who are you? Is there anybody in the league you keep touch with or talk um, to? Uh, so a few guys, you know, Brian McIntosh was the one I, I remember playing against a lot in, you know, AAU in high school. So um, there's certain guys, and, you know, you follow their their careers as well, you know, see how they're doing just, you know, to match up a little bit. I would assume you don't know as many people as PJ does. He no. seems like he's uh, – PJ, if – for our fan, and we're going to have <laughs> PJ on at some point this year. Uh, when If PJ ever decides to run for office – political office he will win in a landslide. landslide he knows more people in the state in <laughs> basketball in the big 10 i mean it is amazing to me and yeah. you guys are particularly close you've yeah. been back to court teammates now for a long time but talk a little about pj and then talk about the rest of the other two guys in this senior class you know pj we always say he has zero enemies he has, nobody dislikes <laughs> pj right. thompson 
Um, you know, that's just his personality. He's easy to talk to. He's easy, easy to get along with. He'll go up to he can go up to a random guy in the street and they could talk for 15, 20 minutes. Like he can just he's just one of those guys. Um, he's got a great personality, um, and he genuinely cares about you know his teammates. Um, you know, this the whole time I've known him, he's just a, a caring guy and he wants to win at all costs. Um, you know, there's, he doesn't look at all the criticisms people say and you know what he should be, what he should do, but um, he just cares about winning. And that's the bottom line, and you know that's what you want in a point guard. Um, you know, Vince Vince is the same way. He's he's improved every year he's been here. He's gonna he's an NBA player. Um, you know, he, he's a very unselfish guy. You know, he could look for a shot more than he does probably, but um, you know he wants to win first too. And Isaac's the same way. I mean, he's he's a big tough guy um, down low, but you know he's one of the nicest guys you're gonna meet off the court. Well, you guys have cert- are certainly uh, extremely popular with our fans, and I know it's uh, a lot to do with the fact that you've kind of brought us back to prominence, uh, won the Big Ten, and, and uh, I know that uh, our fans are excited about this year, lots of reasons to be excited. So um, we're, we're very, uh, you know, we're giddy up for this thing to get started as well, and uh, we'll get things going here in, in uh, under a month. We have a uh, exhibition game on November 1st and then we'll, we'll play a close scrimmage against West Virginia over in Columbus, Ohio and then uh, kick things off on November 10th and I know you guys are, are chomping at the bit to get yeah, it going. Yeah, we can't wait. These first couple you know, practices have been great and uh, a lot of high energy so we can't wait to get going. Alright, we'll move on to the final four now. These are four questions that we end all the podcasts with so that we <coughs> ask people. So uh, well, he I, knows that because he's listened to all 25 all, podcasts. All of them, all 25. No question. He walked in the door today, Larry, and he said, uh, this is episode 25, isn't it? I said, <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. I said, exactly. Dead on. Uh, number one question, uh, uh, first question of the final four is your go-to music of choice. Ooh. Well, I'm a big country guy. Um, a lot yeah, of people, we knew that. A lot of people make fun of me for it, but uh, you know, Eric Church and Jason Aldean are my two top country artists I listen to. So you're saying that uh, Rick Pizzo lucked into that one by with the Cowboys? Yeah, nickname. definitely, definitely lucked into that one. Okay. Um, your favorite book or most recent book you've read? Favorite book was probably Jay Billis's on toughness in high school. Um, you know, that was a time when I was getting recruited and. Um, you know, it just it spoke to me. You know, uh, college basketball, what it takes, um, just the little things. So, and I've always respected Jay Billis as you know an analyst and a you know basketball mind. So that hit home with me. Of course, Jay Billis, friend of the podcast, was on uh, at one point episode uh, fourteen, I believe. Episode fourteen <laughs> here of the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, that's great. He yeah, he's locked sure. in, and, and we yeah. we should mention we mentioned this with Coach Shondell last week. Um, of course, you'll get the the podcast bump on your social media, uh, your Twitter, Twitter followers, uh, Instagram followers are all going to go through the roof after, uh, this podcast airs. Uh, number three question of the final four. What is, since you don't technically have a job yet, um, if you could wave a wand and do any profession you'd love, you'd would like to do, what would you like to do? Um, this is more recently. I've been thinking I'd like to be a, a GM of an NBA team. That's just, I don't know. Well, I mean, what? Just paying attention. A GM of an NBA team. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be. I think that'd be fun. Uh, you know, I'll just be being around the game, continuing that. Um, I've I've thought about coaching a little bit, but I think being a GM in that part and you know negotiating different things like that, I think it'd be fun. I could I could absolutely see. I I I've always thought if you were going to be a coach, I think you would get too frustrated with people. That's yeah. That's that's <laughs> what I'm starting to realize. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my that's just my initial thought, is Dakota when a guy 
when he tells someone to do something 10 times and they don't do it, I don't know if you can handle that. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. As, <laughs> as I grow older, I'm starting to realize that myself. See, if you're a GM, you just fire him or trade him. Exactly. That, that solves that. So follow-up to that question, um, your favorite – now, you catch a lot of flack for this from your teammates, but your favorite NBA team? Golden State Warriors. I mean, how can you not like you know the way they play? It's it's, it's basketball at its purest form. Now the way this they play. this is going to irk the Cliz because uh, at one point Dakota was a diehard Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Yeah, and uh, and, and the, how can you switch? I now, mean, now how talk, can anyone switch? Yeah, what led I mean, to I'm that? I'm going to do it. I have to openly admit. <laughs> I will openly admit. You know, I've never switched. You know, I'm an Indians, Browns, and Cavaliers fan, but the Browns have basically I'm a little impatient. <laughs> and I'm going to pick, I'm going to, and I wanted to switch to Oakland, and then Derek Carr went down. <laughs> so, so I don't know, Kansas City's 4 0. I might go the Kansas City route. No, for, I like the barbecue. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm about ready to give up on the Browns. Yeah, I'll be dead by the time they decide to <laughs> do something. I'll tell you that. You know, but I say, you know, but the Indians are the Indians and Cavaliers have been nice. Yeah. But Golden State, come on, Dakota. I mean, so what happened? Easy. So what? Why did you jump off the ship? I was the biggest LeBron James fan there was, you know, since he was in high school, and then when he played for the Cavs, and then. The decision just didn't sit well with me. I couldn't get over it. I still can't get over it. I mean, I had a fat head of him. I had a fat head of him, and I had to tear it down when he left. I threw it away, tore it down, threw it away. Um, You know, I was looking for a team, you know, that played the right way, um, had good chemistry. They shot the three a lot, and, I mean, that's that's the Golden State Warriors right there. There you go. The decision. So so when the Cavs won two years ago, it had to kill you. It was a fluke, yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, uh, so now oh, see this. Well, I'm glad I know that now. I, I, that's one thing I didn't know. So boy, am I going to be on you all year? Oh well, this is going to be. Of you course, know, we'll, it doesn't make a difference because the thing is going to be decided until June. That's true. By that's that time, true. you'll be a GM of an NBA team. By that time. <laughs> but I do know what's coming on one of our road trips this year. We'll be on a bus or a plane somewhere, and Larry will always look at his scores, and then he usually announces the scores around the country to the staff at the front of the plane to the bus, and he'll always throw in a Cavs score. You know, Cavs win 101-96, <laughs> and uh, now you will be included in those Cavs scores. I can guarantee you that. Good, good. Okay, final question of the Final Four. Uh, what is one thing that not many or no one knows about you? That's a tough one. Um, well, you kind of hit on it. I mean, I grew up and had a half-court gym in my house. I'm not sure how many people know that, but... Um, I would say recently, my parents actually sold that house and moved to Lafayette. I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, my dad got a job. Really? Yeah, my dad got a job about 45 minutes away in uh, Danville, Illinois. So, yeah, there's, there's something you don't know. So what? how crushing was it for you to see that court it, go? It, it was tough. It was hard. My brothers came home, like the last, you know, to help move out and stuff. So, I mean, we grew up in that house. We had so many, you know, three-on-three, one-on-one, one games in there, and that's that's where we learned how to play the game. I mean, my dad worked us out out there, taught us how to play. So, uh, sell that house, it was tough. I can only imagine. Now, how many uh, how many bloody noses uh, happened out there with your so, brothers going at it? Oh, they beat me. It was all my blood. You know, they would pin <laughs> me down, beat me up. They would, you know. Um, but it was great. That's that's where we learned how to play basketball. So, that's awesome. I'm very jealous of that. If I would have had that as a kid, oh boy, I might not have ever seen the light of day. Um, that is. Uh, that's a really good, uh, really good final four. 
Uh, Cliz, any uh, parting shots before we wrap things up here on the podcast? Well, parting shots, uh, parting shots. I have to compliment Dakota because in his class, you know, we, you know, I'm asked this a lot by a lot of people what type of what type of men these guys are, and you know, in, in my entire career, which spans over 40 years with Purdue basketball, the one thing that we've always get is a lot of compliments about our players, how they behave on the road, how they do things. And I'm not saying that, you know, that we're perfect and we're not. Uh, but I can tell you what, this, this particular class that we have right now in Dakota is a big, big part of it has been just such a joy to be around. I mean, these guys, um, now not everybody's, uh, you know, not everybody's talkative and, and Dakota will let you know this. I don't bother these players unless they want to be bothered and you know you're always going to have a chance to you know like certain guys but uh dakota's first class he is first class and this class is first class and i think we have a lot to look forward to this year because i think i think we'll be better than people project us to be but even if we weren't this is a great class and purdue fans all over the world should be incredibly proud of them because they've, they've had a lot of success so that's my closing shot. That's the last nice thing I'll say to you, Dakota, for the rest of the year. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think, <laughs> I think that was uh, very well put, Cliz. I don't think I can uh, follow up with anything uh, that would beat that. So, uh, Dakota, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it, guy. Appreciate the time and uh, great. Uh, best of luck this year. Um, we'll obviously uh, we'll obviously have uh, a lot of time together as the next few months unfold. And looking forward to it. So. Episode 25 here on the Boiler Ball Podcast with senior Dakota Mathias. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you to the great Sylvia Booker for uh, getting Dakota here and working with him on his class schedule to make sure we had time. And Dakota, enjoy the great gift basket that Sylvia will hand you on your way out the door. And uh, thanks again for listening. Episode 25. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. <laughs>